drinking today? I actually, Amanda, am drinking some Jaeger and Ooh. Peach Red Bull. Ooh, that, doesn't that have a name? Uh, like, that's a fancy version of, of something, Jaeger and Red Bull. Well, you can do a Jaeger shot, so oh, like, the Jaeger shot. But you have the Red Bull, and then you drop in the shot of Jaeger. I'm drinking the whole drink. Jaeger bomb. That's what it's called. A Jaeger bomb. Yeah. It's a Jaeger bomb drink, not the shot. Remind me sometime to tell you the story of when I was doing Jaeger bombs in Pensacola. Okay. I will. (laughs) I just, couldn't you be happy that I'm just drinking a two-concoction drink? I am. What are you drinking today, Amanda? Today, I have... Svetka mango vodka with some grape seltzer. That sounds good. Actually, of course, you only have something with a vodka and a seltzer. When I was at the liquor store, there was someone that was getting the mango vodka, and he was going to be mixing it with pineapple juice. I've done that. It's Mm. delicious. Yeah. Um, We might have to try that in the future. It's like a tropical day at the beach, which is what I'm always going for. Yes. So welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member is easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to David Renninger. He served in the United States Marine Corps from 1989 to 1995 as a 7051-7051 aircraft firefighting and rescue. How are you doing today, David? Well, I cannot complain. I said I got two wonderful people to chat with and just... Fire away at the questions. Awesome. And what are you drinking today? Well, I'm going to look awful because I drank all the beer I had. So, unfortunately, all has Arnie Palmer uh, half and half tea right now. Oh, that's, that's good, good, though. Yes. That's delicious. Anything with, like, lemonade and tea mixed together is is a happy day. Oh, it's, it's a happy day. I just don't have anything to splash it up with. <laughs> All right, David, where are you from, and can you tell us how your story started? Well, I grew up in actually Rockville, Maryland. Right. I mean, I was born in Georgia, but then most of my life was in Rockville. I now reside in uh, Virginia for the last 14 years. You're an East Coast guy. Yes. Do you like the East Coast better than the West Coast? Well, I've had a little bit of each because I was stationed in the West Coast, and I found that there was more things to do in the West Coast than there are the East Coast. So would so you later, that the West Coast is the best coast? Yes. Well, I just think, I mean, the beaches are better, I think. You can do so many things on the West Coast. You can go skiing and snorkeling in the same day, really, if you wanted to. If you True story. Yep. All right. Cheers. So, you're, so your vote for the best coast. So, yep. Another, another vote for the West Coast. Yeah, plus my brother is an orthopedic surgeon for the Navy, and he did all his – he just got – Finished a term there at Balboa Island. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He's, so is and he, he still he's, in? Yes. Oh, yeah. He's he's on the East Coast now. Oh. We'll have to get him on our show when he's switching over to being a veteran. Yeah, it might be a while, but he's, yeah, he's good people. That's okay. We intend on being around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide to join the Marine Corps, and why did you want to be an aircraft firefighter and rescue person? Well, I think the reason I joined is like anybody else, you kind of look up to your father. He was kind of the, he was, my father was an F4 Phantom pilot in uh, Vietnam. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I kind of 
I was like, well, if I join a service, I should probably join that one. Just because you kind of feel bad if you went the other way. Like your brother? Well, he's, he's all right. I mean, he went to the Naval Academy. He had more brains and he's, he's got me beat by a mile. It, it was, it was, I mean, it was a hard decision, but you know, the friends and everything you make out of it, you, you can never take that away. Very true. Very, very true. You choose your job. Well, actually, I was going to be going to avionics, and it got a little bit too too accelerated for me. It was like trying to learn electronics in two years, and they're trying to force it down your throat in six months. So it's kind of like if you can't figure out day one, you're going to screw up on day two. Yeah. So, so I just kind of switched over to that profession. Still very admirable, though. Yeah, like firefighting and aircraft rescue is really kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has its moments for sure. All right. So, what were your duty stations, and did you have a favorite one? Believe it or not, I, I, the only duty station I had was El Toro because when I went to the Persian Gulf War, they kind of used that as like my overseas time because I was there for almost eleven months. So they figured, well, since you've been here that long, we'll probably we'll just count so that. That was a yeah. That was a and you know I didn't mind. I w- I wouldn't mind if I got going somewhere else, but I said you know California really can't beat it too. You kind of get sure. spoiled. Yeah. You get spoiled. Right. Especially if you can use another state as your state of residence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So do you have an active duty sea story or a deployment story that you could tell us? I, I'd say the most interesting thing I did in my time was when they're kind of winding down to the Persian Gulf uh, end of the war there. I was with a group of about six or seven people. And we kind of had to stay behind for this one captain. That's what he wanted to do. And we were in the, have you heard of uh, Bahrain? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. right below Saudi Arabia. So what they were doing is they had to load all the ordnance that they didn't use in the war, which was like ridiculous. So they hired people to like frame everything in, like all the missiles and cluster bombs and all that kind of stuff. They put it on a civilian freighter. But when it was all said and done, it was 25,000 tons of ammo we didn't use in that war. Wow. I mean, I guess that's a positive thing. We didn't have to use it, right? Well, that's what I said, too. I said, you know, God forbid something happens. You know, I don't know if you guys know it, but, like, if you have, like, white phosphorus, it still burns in the water. So you have some things there. And we had a guy one time who was on the pier. He was trying to load a Phoenix missile with the forklift, and it got too heavy on one end, and he tipped the forklift. And then the missile fell off. And all I could say was, hey, why don't you just, everybody go to the end of the pier. I'm like, end of the pier? I said, if this boat goes up, we're just a training film. I said, <laughs> vapors, man. I said, 25,000 tons of ammo? I said, I don't think the end of the pier is going to hold me. <laughs> yeah, no. I've I went to Bahrain. Like, that pier is um, not long enough. No, but it was kind of also neat because you do a little bit each day you kind of help make the orders for the civilian guys and they would take all the stuff and they'd frame it in because of the, because of the water and everything. But you had ships from like Australia and Japan and other people would come in. So you actually could meet some of these people at night because Bahrain is like the Las Vegas of the Middle East. What we oh call yeah. It. They got their beer and I've everything. It's, yeah. it's pretty exciting. Pretty cool. Right. We can cheers to that. We can. To we can cheers to Bahrain. Yeah, that was, that was all right. I had a couple of spirited cab drivers when I was in Bahrain. Yeah. Well, I was there. I don't know if you, you, we may not remember it. They had a boy there that would start, he was tagging cars and they caught him. His punishment was they caned him. 
Yeah. They took the sticks with the uh, pointy ends there, and they hit them a couple times. They still have all those old school oh, they're, punishments they're, in the Middle East. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's not somewhere to get in trouble at for sure. So I got to take a, I got to take the boat back with another guy, and we got to go around the um, through the Persian Gulf, through the Straits of Malacca, and then up up around through the Philippines, and then up around the Aleutian Islands, and eventually ended up in uh, Port of Chicago in San Francisco. So I actually got to sail underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. What ship did you sail on? It was called the SS Aid, but, but it was like a uh, civilian boat. Oh, okay. So everything they did, they tracked by satellite. I'm sure they were doing just to watch where we were going. And then when we went through the Straits of Malacca, I kind of, me and the other guy had to kind of stand our little fire watch because did you all see Captain Phillips? No, but I know about it. Yeah, it's the same same type of thing. You know, little dinghy boats and they want to try and abort, you know, get on your vessel or whatever. Yeah, I was in the Middle East in or in the Persian Gulf in 2005 when all that stuff was happening, like right around the time that the movie was based off of for Captain Phillips. So I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's, I think was, that was more, I guess, Somalia, but it's the same effect with people, though. You know, they want to just they think they can just capture anything. And a lot of like on that guy's boat, all they had was water cannons. You know, but if you have enough people, they can show they can climb pretty quick and do whatever we had, we got to refuel in uh, Singapore. So I got off there oh. for, a minute. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> That's like the United States on steroids. I mean, it's just like whatever we have, they have it. And it looks 10 times better. You know, it's just like I'm, I'm sitting on the bus or whatever. I look over and here comes a guy delivering pizza. He's got pizza hut as his logo on his bike, you know, or the big toys RS truck. I mean, it's just wherever you, wherever you want, they had it. You know, they're very strict too. I mean, you know, there's like, you can't smoke, you can't chew gum, you can't spit, you can't do they are hardcore. <laughs> I wouldn't last I wouldn't last very very long in Singapore. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing that you never made it there. Yeah, probably they kept me in the United States for a reason. <laughs> well, you you would have been all right. You know, it's just it's just how every country's different. I mean, mm-hmm. I I've been to Saudi Arabia and I said the one thing I noticed about that was basically a, a two lane highway. And with people like that, I said, they, they're big on suburban trucks and there's old, those, uh, old uh, Chevy Impalas, I think it was. But they're the kind of people, if they get a flat tire, they just take the tire off and throw the tire in the sand because they, they just don't care. And then I got one day I got to go to Kuwait. We had to go look for these artifacts, which basically meant that all the high-ranking people wanted to have something at their barracks or whatever, you know. If you found something, they wanted it to go display at at home. So I was sitting here one day. He goes, I said, Hey man, I found something. The guy's like, what did you find? I said, it's a log book in Arabic. You probably want that. Probably tells you what's been going on here a little bit. And we went to somebody's house, but it was wild because all the furniture's moved all over the place. And then when you walk up to the stairs, there was like a way you could get up to the roof. Once you got up on the roof, you look over, there's a view of the Persian Gulf, but on the beach, all Constantino wire I meant that people were going to try to invade you. That was, that was like their one little defense was just put all this bob wire up and down the beach. That makes me sad. The beaches have fun. Well, <laughs> the beaches yeah. are fun. I mean, depends how you use them, I guess. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's kind of clever in its own way. Cause it's like, look, if we got, if someone's dropping off a tank, at least they've got something or yeah. cause I me mean, with Saddam, he built up for like 
six, seven months. He let us get in there and just build everything up. Then they started sending the troops in. Mm-hmm. That's how that all kind of went down. I think the wildest thing I ever had was King Fod. I don't know if he's around anymore. He offered every single serviceman 10,000 bucks, you know, for helping out. But then our buddy George Bush Sr. is like, ain't going to happen. We're not mercenaries. I mean, that's that, probably just, the right call, even though we don't want No, to. it is. It, you're just basically saying we're not mercenaries. You know, that's, I mean, I would never expect it anyway, but it's, it's, it's a nice gesture, but. Absolutely. So we have so much fun when we're on active duty, but eventually we all have to get out and transition from being in the military to being a civilian. How did your transition go? You know, actually it, it wasn't too bad because I said, once you go through SEPs, which is the separation, I had taken all, I didn't have much anyway, because I was living on base. So I boxed all my stuff and they'll send it. They sent it to my mother's house and like they're in, they're insuring it a lot more than what it, it was going to, if I had to do it, in other words. Right. And then I'm like, well, I don't want to carry all that crap. And I only had it. Like I had a 91 Honda Civic and I said, I'll be daggone if I'm going to just put everything I own, look like a homeless dude and just start driving across country. So it just, you know, cause the first thing you think is, Oh, someone's going to rob you. You know, you're just like too much stuff. I'm like, so I made sure all that got boxed up and I sent it home. So, that, and, and they, they came a couple weeks later. It wasn't any rush. There's nothing, in, there's nothing important. Then you learn, oh, you get your DD 214 while you're on the base. And then eventually you go get your card. I, the, I got mine at the army base when I had to change out the green one, I guess for the pink one. So you retired then. No, no, no. I was just oh. six years. Oh, okay. So your transition was really pretty easy then. It was. I think the the weirdest thing is like once you get out, you're kind of saying to yourself, "What am I going to do now?" I mean, you just, it's like it's like someone who just you don't you don't lose your job, but you're just like thing. What where do I start? What do I want to do? What do I have that's close that I could you know pursue? Right. Kind of like restarting, but you're almost restarting it's, life over again as an adult. Well, yes, exactly right. Because you don't know what's available when you get back. I said, I don't know what people are looking for. You just kind of, I would always use my friends as a network because they've already been at home while I've been away. Right. That's one thing I've always done. Sometimes it's about who you know that like gets you the furthest. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I'll tell you what I did. I said, I, I actually worked at a, a parts dealership down in Bethesda, Maryland. It's all where all the ritzy people go. Yeah, they, they didn't pay squat, but you know, you just, you had to do something because you, your whole life is predicated and like, I feel like I have to be somewhere all the time. Cause if you have too much right. free time, it's like, I don't feel like doing anything. I just, eh. Right. I got into that. And then the next job I had, I worked for a place called uh, sunrise senior living and they do a lot of the, the older age homes, but they're like the high end people. So I worked in a warehouse there for 10 years and my current job, I just completely got lucked out. And it was only because I was in the military. I got the extra five points for, when I am all about exploiting those extra five points. <laughs> well, I did. I was like, apparently I beat out about 350 people. And it's like, when they called me, I'm like, are you serious? I actually had to pull my car over. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I hope I'm not getting punked right now. Cause that would be awful. But Hey, here's yeah. cheers to our extra five points. No matter what. <laughs> That's cheers. right. Five, five has gotten me. Yeah. Five got me in the federal government. It's all, it's all you need sometimes. Oh, that's what I got. <laughs> so what job are you doing now? I actually work in logistics for um, the federal government right now up in Virginia. Oh, well, that's a great job. 
I just basically work in a warehouse, but you know, just I'm not deployable or anything. So that, that part's good. Yeah. You get to go home every day. Yeah. How are you doing now that you've kind of been through the transition and you're settling into life? Well, I really can't complain. I, unfortunately, I've, I've been separated now for like the last six months. That just all happened this year. And so I was like, I, I did well with it. I don't think it was my fault by any stretch. And it just, I, I ended up uh, getting the house, thank God. I was like, because I have a, I've had problems with my foot, which I'm almost done with now. I've had, I've been on a knee scooter for like a year and a half. So I was like, look, man, I said, I'm not moving. I said, we're going through COVID. I said, you're going to have to, I can give you everything else, but I'm going to try to keep the house. So in the end, I got the house and I refinanced it, got a little extra money now. So I can't complain. Well, that's good. It sounds like it worked out well for you. Oh, yeah. I, you know, it just, you got to let bygones be bygones. There's no sense in getting mad. Right. Yeah. I always say the same things you get mad in, you get glad in. So. <laughs> I tell people all the time, like, it's so much energy to be angry or frustrated or any of those emotions that you could be putting that energy towards something else. It can be exhausting if you get like angry or upset or hold grudges or. Well, I think she was mad at me because she's been a school teacher for 17 years and I'm the one who cut all the stuff out. I graded the papers. I helped set up the classroom. So it's not like, you know, I did my part. It's a lot different now. I kind of have time to myself. Right. So it's like, how do I do it? I mean, you know right. what the answer is? You go on TikTok and meet Amanda and you just have a good time, you know? <laughs> That's right. Because TikTok will suck hours away from you. Oh, it does. But I said, you guys' videos are the best, though. I mean, I have to admit, I said, I get drawn in pretty quick. <laughs> we appreciate that. Do you have any advice for your fellow veterans that are either just getting ready to get out and become veterans or the ones that have been veterans for quite some time but are still trying to find their way? Well, the most important thing to have is your DD-214, without a doubt. That'll get you in the, if you're looking for a government job, that's exactly what they want. That's going to get you your five points. The only thing I had when I had my job, it took me about eight months to get on all the clearance and all that jazz. Right. Yeah. I'm like, once I had that, man, that was like gold. They always say, look for a job while you have a job. So I can kind of, I can peruse stuff on like usajobs.gov or indeed or any of those things those things help out i said if you can one of the things as air traffic controllers like amanda and i were we had clearances while we were in we had a clearance it wasn't like a top secret clearance but we did have a clearance so had either one of us decided to pursue something when we got out i mean that's something that we already did have yeah it helped oh, me get my job when i got my job at the railroad yeah right I didn't need it necessarily, but like they liked seeing that I had it. Right. Oh, absolutely. I just kind of feel like, all right, I'm someone you can trust and I have good credit, you know? Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty good. I can't cheers the good credit. I'm I'm not sure. I probably won't get in trouble and I know how to get to work on time. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just. All right, David. Well, if any of our listeners want to find you and and contact you do you have a platform where that, that you could be reached uh not yet i mean you, you guys could help me with that i'm not really good on the on the platform side do you have email do you have an email address yes what's your email it's so easy it's just dave at aol.com 
There we go. Awesome. So if you guys yeah. like, so if someone wanted to contact you, they can always email you. Yeah, I mean, I'll give the best advice I can. Yeah, about just general advice or even how to get navigate USA Jobs because I know that can be a little bit confusing. Uh, reach out to him. I'm sure he won't mind helping. No, it's just uh, a lot of the times it can get a little tricky with the questions and stuff like the SF50. I'm sure you've have you gone through that one yet. Oh, pretty much they want to know. I mean, depending how far back they want to go, it's, you know, what's your, your parents' names, their birthdays, all just all where have you lived? Oh, yeah, for lived clearance? In. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, I've done get, that. I still, I still have my original clearance application in a file because there's... Well, I did the same. Yeah, I, I kind of do the same thing. But I said, the only thing you have to do with government jobs, you just have to be patient. And I know yeah. that's impossible to say, but it's true. Yes. It's, almost like, it's the luck of the draw. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's not like... Whether it's federal or state government, I mean, it takes right. all a long time. Yeah, it right. does. I mean, it's it's a, not a quick process. No, the more you put, the more applications you put in, the better your odds are, obviously. You hope. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true, though, in anything. Strength in numbers. Uh, but we're not, I don't even want to talk about how many jobs I have applied for in my entire life. Since <laughs> I got out of the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. And with a degree, and it still took me however long to get a job. Being a veteran and with a degree, yeah, no. I actually don't have, well, I have a degree now, but I didn't when I first got out. And so I was applying for jobs that I had the the background for and I had the experience for, but I didn't have the degree for. And so I lost out on a lot of jobs because I didn't have the degree. It's always that way, though. Either you have the experience or you don't have the education, but you can't try to have both at the same time. It's just. Right. Well, and I really think that in some of those jobs, the person with the degree and not the experience, they wouldn't have to pay as much. And so that's part of it too. Cause I was looking for like airfield management type jobs. Yeah. So that part of it was pretty heartbreaking. <laughs> but, yeah, what's the other one they have, I think with Likedin, Lincoln. That's another one that people. Oh yeah. Lincoln. LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> what did you call I it? Like it in? <laughs> I, I don't know what it's called, and it starts with an L. All yeah, LinkedIn is okay. a great resource if you're looking for a job. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm the one who's not drinking, and I can't pronounce it right. So, <laughs> all right, it's okay. It I can't talk when I'm not drinking either. Uh, no. so I but I mean, I, I get them every once in a while. They'll say you've been you've been spotted by nine people or something. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Amber, do you want to take this opportunity to discuss the charity that we're supporting this episode? Sure. So one of the whole purposes of this podcast is to bring veterans together, to bring about mental health awareness, and of Mm -hmm. course, 22 a day. And the organization that we have chosen to support, to direct y'all to, and that we believe in their mission is Tilva Hala Project. Oh, and I know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 22 a day. They are, that's our group that we <laughs> are uh, I've, I've, promoting. I've given to like uh, wounded warriors. They're good too. Yeah. We've had a few really good success stories on here about wounded warriors. Yes, we have. I had that. And then when, when my father passed away, we gave money to the Fisher house, which is good too. What is the Fisher house? The Fisher house is almost like the equivalent of Ronald McDonald or like when and people come in and they don't have a, they basically give them lodging. Oh, that's cool. If you want to find 
Amber, or I and reach out to us directly, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok on Veterans Drinking Vodka for all the things. Or you can email us at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. You said all the things. <laughs> I know. All, we're up at all well, the things. Veterans Drinking Vodka and all the things. Please reach out if you'd like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. You can send us an email like Amanda mentioned or a DM on all the things. <laughs> on all the things. <laughs> all matter, yes. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or Amazon. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think, how we're doing. Now you can join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. It's a great time. I'm going to add to that really quick so our listeners know you don't have to be a veteran. You can be active duty. You can be a veteran. You can be a civilian and just showing your support for veterans and the military. It is definitely open to absolutely anybody who wants to participate. Absolutely. And we we have a good time. Last time we we talked about all kinds of things that were hilarious. And yes. if you're lucky... One of our guests will show you her house chicken. The black chicken? Um, yeah, you didn't see it last time you were on the live, the house chicken? Joe Dirt? Yeah, yeah they, they kept talking about that. And the guy was going on about Thailand and the coins and all kinds <laughs> of stories. Yeah, Joe Dirt. Um, <laughs> so 22 is 22 too many. One right. is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.